Hey, welcome everybody to the Future Church podcast with me, Anthony Delaney. I am excited today to be meeting our uh, guest, Jonathan Olayevi. We are uh, kind of long-time acquaintances uh, in many ways. Um, some years ago now, oh, it must be over 10, 12 years ago, I, I was beginning to sense that uh, the Lord had been moving me to not just think about my locality, my region, but to Manchester uh, and beyond. And we began to plant churches out from there. And then in various ways, uh, connections to people like Dave Ferguson, um, a great friend and mentor who runs Exponential. Uh, he encouraged me to uh, get a napkin and draw the vision on a napkin. Some of you might know that from his book, Exponential. And as I drew that, instead of just drawing Manchester, I felt to draw the UK and beyond. And uh, and I really felt the Lord just saying to me, you know, your napkin isn't big enough. And then I went with Dave and a bunch of other people over to Kenya, um, where I met with a, a group of amazing people. And off the back of that, I was challenged by uh, people like Dave Ferguson and uh, Bishop Oscar Muriu and Josh Howard and others to look towards helping to get some churches planted across Western Europe. And the way that's gone in the end for me has been that I've ended up doing something called Launch, which you're very much invited to, launchcatalyst.org, as a, as a kind of a, um, a place where people can come and get excited about the kingdom and what the Lord's calling them to. From Launch, I know that many, many people have gone away and planted different churches, but also people have started new uh, kingdom entrepreneurial businesses, or they have connected together with other people to do something that they could never possibly do on their own. Networks have formed and been joined. And it's one of these things where, you know, if you, you can either have control or growth. And in the end, what we've seen is a lot of growth and much of that can't be measured by me. But it's always wonderful when people come up to me at something and say, as I had recently, a guy who started now a ministry that is mentoring leaders across Africa from the UK. But he said that all started at the very first launch when the Lord spoke to him about that. So I just love that we get to do something that sows seed and the Lord waters it. And, you know, somebody else does whatever with it. But it's the Lord who gives the increase for these endeavors. Please look at launchcatalyst.org and check out the best deals that are available now. Um, and one of our speakers this year, I'm so pleased to say, is somebody that I, I connected with fairly early on in that journey of how do I begin to start to reach out in, in beyond my locality. I had a day down in London where I met with Jonathan Olayedi, who is a mighty man of God and a mighty man of prayer. And uh, since then, I've always uh, stayed connected into the things that he's been doing, National Day of Prayer, etc. So uh, welcome to the Future Church podcast, Jonathan Olayedi. <laughs> well, great to be here. Finally, Anthony, I'm glad that we could do this finally. Fantastic. And I'm so looking forward to you being one of our keynote speakers at launch. We are yeah. excited that you're going to be joining us for that. Um, people, if you look on the website, I won't go all over it. All the details are on there in terms of how you can book. There's one in the north that's a two day and now there's something in the south that is just a one day. But please check it out. Join us and bring your team. OK, Jonathan, over to you. Uh, you're married to <laughs> Abby, who I did meet some years ago through Westminster Theological Centre when she was involved with that. Uh, you're living in Bromley in Kent, where you've been since, uh, well, for the last eight years, something like that. And you lead City Church. But tell us the story of you a little bit. What, uh, so oh, wow. That's a whole podcast on itself. But I'm, I'm going to try to summarize this as um, as much as I can. I, I consider myself an apostolic missionary to the UK. And in summary, I was born in England bred in Nigeria, 
came back to England <clears throat> on a three-month holiday to visit my sister in 1991, and I'm still on my three-month holiday. <laughs> um, <laughs> Um, I came. I came uh, after medical school. I'm a medical doctor by profession, and so I was going to continue my medical degree in Jos, which is kind of the middle belt of Nigeria. I had mission in mind, and I was combining mission with my medical career, and the Lord hijacked all of that. And these are the exact words He said to me. He said, "You're not here by accident, but you're here by divine design." And you are here as part of my recruitment to this part of the world in preparation for the coming of my son, Jesus. Drop your agenda and pick up my program. And that changed the whole trajectory of my life. you know. And basically, God was calling me to um, what he was doing in the United Kingdom. Cutting a long story short, the first 10 years was planting churches, um, establishing churches. Not because we were reading books or um, had some great plan or or a napkin, we just lived out our lives. And the fellowship kind of grew into a church. And from that church, other churches um, were planted and grew naturally um, by people migrating or intentionally going to plant plant churches. We planted, I think, about 10 to 15 different churches within that period of time. And then God took me um, in a different direction of praying for the indigents of this country. And within that first 10 years, got married, met my wife, And then we we um, began to uh, explore what was going on in the nation. God began to connect me with all the uh, the leaders. Intention he, he did this intentionally, not because I did it. So I met all them leaders of Ictus and Pioneer, New Frontiers. I was in the living room having all these meetings, and then the Lord told me to share the visions He had given me with them in 2006. Share that with them. That was the launch of the Global Day of Prayer which then became the National Day of Prayer. And since then, I've been on a trajectory of mission, of prayer and unity um, with the churches. We did some stadium events. Um, we did about five or six stadium events when nobody, when everybody said, we don't do stadiums anymore. I said, this is what God was saying for us to do. And we did that. And during the pandemic, we did something called Virtual Pentecost. Um, tens of thousands of people connected with that as well. And now I lead something called the National Day of Prayer, focusing on the reclaiming of the missional movement of the the rejuvenation of the church in the United Kingdom, according to the Book of Acts, that we can walk in the in the in the glory, the power, the miracles, the signs and wonders, and the gospel from the Book of. Let's continue the story. And let's continue what God had started to do in this nation, you know, centuries ago, which um, some people think is on the wane, but I think is on the rise. Amen. Absolutely. I think I'm feeling like a late bloomer here because um, I've been saying to our church, I just had a three month sabbatical and it was during that time I really felt the Lord spoke to me because we've talked, we've had the discipleship pathway plan, which we've put many people through in the church. And as part of that, as we've looked at, you know, the early church has been a great model for us there, as it will be, I'm sure, for many leaders and people on here. But but I've been saying, you know, the the, the early church that they looked at, they, they were they were founded with, um, I call it word, worship and one another, that those things were all in place in Acts 2, 42 to 47 at the end. And and then I, it was just in a conversation with a friend uh, during the sabbatical that suddenly I said, oh, 
and wonders. Because I realize that the, the thing that I, we kind of stop with is that actually that it says many signs and wonders were also, you know, being done at the hands of the apostles. But that was the inheritance of the church. He wasn't, you know, and, you know, I mean, there's some, some churches that don't really do the word. Let's yeah. be honest. They don't really even do the word. Um, most churches, I mean, they're not going to have any future as a church if you're not going to do any one another. If you're not going to connect at all, in some way you've got to connect. Uh, worship, well, there's different ways that people worship. I'm not going to prescribe one particular way of worship as long as it's in spirit and in truth. But, wow, it really made me realize how much we're missing out on a church, as a church, without the wonders well so what does it mean to you when you say that you know your, your mission prayer and unity reclaiming this missional movement and to walk in the glory uh and in the signs and the wonders what does that mean for you know how how can you know you look around the church on a sunday morning maybe there doesn't look to be that many people turned up today and there's gladys who's going to play the you know the the piano and the, you know the even the flowers on the piano look a bit droopy and <laughs> don't really want to you know what's our expectation how can we you know what 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 what's missing and what what can you know what's our part in doing something to do with that as churches uh, i sometimes I, I i share and i see it as a throwaway comment but um it has some meaning in my life that I think I come with some kind of distinct advantage because I met the Lord before I met his wife. <laughs> and that's because I was a Muslim. I, I grew up as a Muslim. So I, I was totally unchurched until I got into medical school. And then I ran into these um, believers or people that call themselves born again. believers. So what does that mean? <clears throat> now, I was carrying a question from my religion that nobody could answer. And that question was, why doesn't Allah speak to me? And nobody could answer that question. So when I ran into these guys and they began to say, God spoke to me, God spoke to me. Uh, that was the key that connected me to them. And cutting a long story short, I went to the prayer meeting one night, 12 midnight to um, five in the morning, you know, encountered the living God who began to talk to me. And there I was baptized in the Holy Spirit, had a vision and experience of God that has stayed with me to Why did I say all of that? I said all of that because I'm coming from a perspective of a revival. I was in the revival that hit the Nigerian universities in the 80s. We saw people healed. We saw people um, delivered. We were working in the wonders. And we were not, we did not have church Formal church. I didn't know what a pastor was, Anthony. So last, first time I read something, he said, pastor. I said, what is a pastor? You know, because when I read the Bible, it didn't kind of distinguish the way pastors were operating. I was thinking the biblical definition of pastor is very different from the way pastor was. And the reason why I'm saying all of this is because I feel that the church has taken on a lot of culture and structure from people who have not walked in the experience of Christ and his power and his glory and the miracles and the gospel, what he can fully do. And so a lot of people teach from a, a mental cognitive place, which is good because the gospel has within itself the power to get people saved in itself. 
um, but the whole package of what the gospel means. And so I, I'm not, I'm unchurched. I still remain unchurched. <clears throat> Excuse me. I, I, I do, I do, I do church from an unchurched perspective. You know, I like knocking on doors. I like speaking to people who are outside the walls of church. Miracles happen outside of the fall. I remember um, a BBC uh, reporter wanted to see miracles and was following me all around um, um, East London and was seeing people healed. And he came back into the church and one of the our children prayed for his leg and he got instantly healed till today. <clears throat> and um, so that is the perspective. And, and recently the Lord has been sharing with me the need um, to go back to that. And I'll just say this and I'll, I'll, I'll stop. Um, some some weeks ago, the Lord just came into my car and I was weeping, panting like a baby. And when, and I couldn't, I was driving, God, why are you coming to my car when I'm driving? And the presence of the Lord was so strong. I didn't see him physically, but his presence was so strong. And I was just crying and crying. There's worship going on in my car. So I was worshiping and crying, worshiping and crying, wiping my tears and managing to drive at the same time. And after a while, I packed and I just meditated. And, and this thought came to me, lingered with me over, over a few days. And that, 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 the question was, Jonathan, you've been living in the UK for 30 years. When was the last time somebody was raised from the dead in the United Kingdom? Hmm. And that thing has stuck with me, Anthony. It's just stuck with me for since. And I was thinking, goodness me. And then God began to send me videos. I mean, I know algorithms are very interesting things, but <clears throat> I just began to pick up these messages from um, one of the key people in my country, Nigeria, who walked in the power of God and was sharing about how he raised his first child from the dead. You know, that his pastor said to him, um, walk and raise the dead. And he said, pastor, can I raise the dead? So he went around his city asking if anybody had died. And in the evening, he came, finally came to a house where um, a young boy had died in the morning. And so a young girl, sorry, a young girl had died <clears throat> in the morning. And so he goes in, and he prays for the girl. And he said, the girl became more dead in my arms. <laughs> so he opens the Bible and says, okay, how did Jesus do it? So Jesus said, um, um, uh, uh, damsel or whatever, uh, um, Talita Kume, arise. Mm -hmm. So he went to ask for the name of the, of the child. And then he called the name of the child and said, I say to you, arise. And the child coughed. And everybody around ran out. <laughs> so... And that was how he raised the first, his first child from the dead. He's raised, I think, about 14 or more people from the dead. He's passed yeah. away now. Wow. But God began to uh, um, send me his messages. And I began to just think about that, pray about that. Recently, my wife did a, a meeting and um, somebody, uh, it was supposed to be a prophetic meeting. And then somebody came out for healing. Her eye had been um, patched up. And she couldn't see through it. Um, and my wife just turned to me and said, you've been talking about miracles. So I would lay hands on her. This was just a few weeks ago. And I commanded the church to speak to the eye. And the eye opened. Mm. And she could see through the eye. And then another lady came and she was healed 
you know, um, a lady with um, palsy began to walk and began to be healed. <clears throat> and she, I've said to her to continue to come, let's pray for her until she has a full healing. And And it's as if the Lord is saying to me, that the power needs to come back to the church. Amen. We need to go back to the to the book of Acts. And because I've worked in it before, and um I have been working in it, but not as a full full-on evangelist, I feel that God is kind of prepping my heart for what the church should do. So right now in our small church, we just planted a new church in Manor Park amongst persecuted Muslims. <laughs> I'm sorry, amongst Muslims. And persecuted Christians, so we're kind of connecting with the Asian community. And I've been training the church how to walk in miracles, how to see people healed, how to walk in the fullness of God. So if you asked me, Anthony, I would say there are lovely people, lots of people in the UK that are praying, that are doing church, but have not stepped into the power. And mm. there are people that <clears throat> that have walked in the power in the past but I've not modeled um, the character and the personal characteristics of Jesus Christ. We need to pull both together. And I believe that now is the time, and the Lord is leading us, and I'll talk about that um, in, in a few minutes, um, to pray that in through prayer and fasting. Amen. I spoke, this is so much what the Lord has been speaking to me about and to our church that we... We need to raise our expectation, but also we need to practice. I talked yesterday from Acts chapter three about Peter and John straight after Pentecost and they find a guy who needs healing. And yeah. then that's the choice moment. Are they going to walk past him and go in to church, into to the temple, or are they yes. going to give it a go? And like they, they'd say, you know, let's 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 try this out. What Jesus said we, we could do. And I think very often the church has 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 got used to you know going into a building that's what they would have done they would have you know heard the scriptures they would have heard all those things kind of in the, you know yeah they could have talked about the new covenant now but they're walking past the guy with the need yeah and the, you know because they they didn't try it out but then he's like he says you know i haven't got the money to help you but here and he reaches out his hand and he pulls him up and i said yesterday there's a kind of downward trajectory i think the churches can get on and i'm not just speaking about other churches i think our church has been like this where you go from theoretical that you believe yeah in theory yeah you know god could raise the dead of course he raised jesus so yeah in theory you know god could uh could heal the sick and and the next step from that though is that we go from theoretical to hypothetical and you, yeah. you know hypothetically speaking of course somebody could do that but that's in africa you're talking about jonathan that's not in in bromley that's not in manchester hypothetically of course god's still got his stuff you know but the next thing from that is apathetical where we just end up like we we can't really be bothered because it. What, what what if it doesn't work and all the other reasons we give for it and then the final one after that is that we just become a hypocritical church because we've got the mask on that looks as if we're representing Christ but actually we're not really we're not we're not representing him because he said I want you to do the same things I've done and I want you to to do even greater things than that and I think you know from some people listening to this and I, this is something the Lord spoke to me about so much he keeps on getting to me is you know don't be that hypocritical church actually yes. we're called to represent him we're called to you know as he is in the world so are we so i love that you're talking about uh, we, we that we can go around on the streets as well and so when there's need and so i'm you know i'm, I'm learning from you as i'm doing this uh, how can we as leaders um those of us are called in some way to that 
to how can we practically do these things so that people so that you know we grow our own faith but also so that we you know you're talking about how you're you're coaching the church here to be able to not just have these things as hypothetical or theoretical but actually practical to practice what does that look like yeah okay there's one one or two things i would say and that's why we need leaders and we need leaders as triggers so what you can do is use yourself as the guinea pig and use your fellowship or your church as the lab- laboratory um, before you begin to go out. Because I believe that there's a, there's a, there's, there's a, there are levels. Start with yourself, your prayer life, then with the church, and then with the world. And I would say that the the leader himself should start listening to um, people that have walked in power. Now, historically, people that have walked in power, people that are walking in power, sometimes we cannot extract their message from their character or their testimony. So you have sometimes some American televangelists that have walked in the power or walked in the faith, and because of their characters or their failings, we align their teachings with their behavior. And what we need to do is that these guys, as flawed as they are, you know, the Samson's of our lives, walked in the anointing. So let's extract what they did from who they are, you know, and let's understand the principles of how they walked in the power of God. And let's balance that with our own more maybe cautious or balanced behavioral patterns to say, okay, we want to walk in the power, but we want to do it ethically. We want to do it with with sensitivity. We want to do it with, um, with biblically, as it were. So start with yourself. Start praying for your family. Start praying for people in your church. Start telling people you're on your journey. So after telling the church that we're going on a journey, we're going on a journey of discovery. We're going to be walking in the power of God. See what's happened to that person. See what happened to this person. So Anybody sick, come out. We prayed for people. Somebody got, someone's back got healed. You know, somebody's, um, someone else got healed. So creating the testimony, share that this thing works. Hallelujah. Um, if you lay hands on the sick, they will recover. So <clears throat> I think it starts with the leader, the leader or the leaders. Uh, 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 <clears throat> excuse me. The leader or the leaders need to um, journey in God, with God, to go and extract. When you're having fruit, you take out the, the, the peeps, you know, and the seeds, and you enjoy the fruit, or you take you, you take away, you slice the, the, the fruit before you, you do your smoothie. So take away anything that would create any um, bad taste or, um, you know, wrong, wrong digestion. Take those things out and go for the core. What was in the Bible and what is happening in contemporary times and why are people in my time able to walk in this and where they walked in this in the UK and what I believe is that there is a prevailing attitude in the UK of skepticism and that is why we don't see the power of God walk the way it should and so what you then find out is that among certain kind of ethnic groupings of people in certain communities you can find the power of God can just happen. I remember when I was going around the country doing the the, um, the uh, global day of prayer. I got to I got to Huddersfield, and there was this Asian community, and I was preaching. And 
<clears throat> tu- tumors were coming off people, people were being healed, and I was not preaching about healing. And and, and it was just because of their expectation and their their faith. And so I believe that we can create faith in our communities as and we can practice. So because there was a time when um when I when I started first mingling with charismatics um in this country, there was something called healing on the streets. And that was encouraging me because I was thinking, these guys are pushing the supernatural. One of the key things that this nation needs more than anything else is the combination of the supernatural with the word. And everywhere we read in the Bible where the gospel was preached, it was always followed by something supernatural happening to it. Either angels showing up or somebody being healed, you know, somebody having some miraculous experience. And these are things that we need to bring back because many of these times, this supernatural, it just bypasses, it hijacks the cognitive, you know, skeptical mind. And so when you have been healed, I was in a healing meeting where some Irish community came all the way from um, um, Ireland because one African preacher was working supernatural, got one of their sons healed, his eyes where he could not even see through his eyes because of the cataracts and whatever, and his eyes were opened. And that opened up the whole Irish community in a, t- in, a, in a town. I don't even remember the name of the town. And they all came down, about 20 of them for the meeting. So I don't know whether I'm answering your question, Anthony. Mm, I think no, it's good. That's specific because I love that, combining the spirit and the word. Because actually, in turn, you've given me another word. I'm going to re-preach that at some point because it's theoretical, hypothetical, apathetical, hypocritical, skeptical is actually mm. the bottom line of that, where we yeah. end up, you know, people could end up like, oh, I, you know, I just don't believe in that stuff anymore. And, you know, that's not for us and that's not for here. And you know, I, I said yesterday, I remember years ago um, in the previous uh, place I was in where where we we set up healing meetings in the church and I was putting posters up. Everybody was fine with it. Everybody, you know, the doctor's surgery were happy for us to put up. They were having he- prayers for healing meetings and things like this. But I got a phone call off uh, a local pastor, really, really angry. Um, and he said, I don't like you're doing this. You know, you're basically, and I said, well, I don't understand what the problem is. And he said, well, you, you know, you're giving people hope that they might be healed. <laughs> and I was like, I was like. I don't think giving people hope is isn't you know that's the job you know <laughs> and in the end you know it, yeah because there is I mean the, the questions will always come up well what about when it doesn't well seem to work from our perspective and you know we will have had disappointments with prayer it, you know when we've had a certain expectation of it but you know I'm determined now I'm not gonna I don't really want to there's been times I remember when I've been on a kind of roll of faith where it seemed like pretty much everybody I've prayed for got healed. And then it seemed like a big thing come out of nowhere and somebody that I prayed for didn't just not get better, but they died. And then, you know, how do we how do we handle something of the the the, the, the how do we let disappointment not become our kind of portion in life, I suppose? And, and yeah, our... and, and I think that all comes with the realities of the kingdom of God, because the kingdom of God is a is a battle. When we read the New Testament, we see that this battle and you will get a, um, casualties of war. And the fact that you ba- having a battle, nobody goes into battle saying none of our soldiers are going to be killed. You know, that comes. That's why you set up hospitals for those wounded soldiers. And so what we need to do is say, look, we are taking the spiritual battle to the gates and we're going to have casualties. We have to prepare to die. Some of us are going to die. You know, some of us are we're going to have 
disappointments. This comes with the terrain. Not everybody's going to operate at the same level of faith. But we have to we have to win this battle. We have to wage this war. And so it's the leaders that keep people, even after you've, you've after you've lost the battle, like Joshua did in the at, at I, they had to regroup and say, God, what is going on here? <clears throat> so I think to be authentic and real, to say we're not superstars. I'm not I'm not some um hyper super Christian who's got all the answers. We are going to discover this together. And so as we experiment, can you use the word experiment? As we um, go on this journey, we will get into some skirmishes. We are going to, we're going to have some, some backlashes. But that is part of what the gospel is. I mean, when you read the book of Acts, you know, uh, chapter one and chapter two were kind of highs. And then you go into chapter three and then there was a backlash in chapter four. And then, you know, they, they 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 rise up again and then there's a response from the enemy from within you know there's division and so when you read the book of Acts you see they they, they went up and down up and down up and down <clears throat> and these are just realities of the faith journey it's not smooth it's not smooth it's not it cannot just be a smooth ride that's not what the kingdom of God is you know so let's prepare for the failings as we fail as we as we um as we uh, try. And as we mm-hmm. have successes, we're not going to be blinded by our successes. Neither are we going to be distracted by our failures. Yeah. We're going to stay focused on Jesus. He is our focus. And he will tell us um, everything that we need to know, including our failures. So when we have prayed for somebody and they, they die or they don't get healed, um, we say we're on a journey. We don't know why, but we continue to move forward with mm-hmm. our faith. I, yeah, I yeah. believe that's 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 the language of of those who are on a journey with Jesus, and I think that's the safest place we can be because He is the healer and He knows all things. Amen. I just did a funeral for a wonderful Christian lady in the most tragic circumstances. Um, hundreds and hundreds of people were there physically, many people watching online as well. And but really, and I just saying that is, you know, despite the. You know, she was literally was a casualty in the war in the most mm. awful circumstance. But at the end, even though we miss her, even though, um, you know, it would be better for us that she would have remained, we would have thought for her, I think it would be like, you know, like Paul said, it's better, better by far that she's with the Lord. Mm. So, you know, for Christians, even, you know, we might think of the, the death as being a loss, but mm. it's, it really is heaven's gain. And yes. there's nobody in heaven wishing that they were back here you know in the middle of this fight again yes <laughs> so uh, again so we grieve but we don't grieve for the person who's gone we we we, we grieve them we're so yeah. we're sad that we can't see them but we don't grieve effectively uh because because of that and and you know just as you again as you're speaking i'm, I'm i just think that, that these are the we have to find ways as leaders to be able to articulate these things that help people to break that prevailing attitude of of skepticism and of doubt and and one thing as you were as you were speaking i really felt the lord was saying to me that maybe there's somebody listening right now and you've got used to saying that thing maybe you heard it at theological college or somewhere oh well the kingdom of heaven is now and not yet and you know theologically that's true but when did you last pray like it was now (laughs) when do you when do when do you keep on saying why do you keep on saying not yet why do we keep on saying not yet 
when the Lord says, the, you know, today is the day of salvation and, and it's his favor today. And why don't we live like it like it's now uh, yeah. rather than keep putting it all off until not yet? I'm, I'm you know, I want to I want to pray like it is now. Yes. Like, you know, these, the promises of God, like Jesus is the same yesterday, today and forever. And uh, he wants to answer prayers now. And especially, I think, over the years, I found, as you were saying, that, that the Lord loves to pray for us to pray for people who are far from him. So that yeah. when the miracle happens, even if it's a little miracle, as far as we're concerned, yeah. you know, they, like their headache goes or something. And they're like, wow. Yeah. You know, it, it doesn't have to be that their leg grew back or something. It's yeah. just like, man, you know, you prayed. To, and sometimes even the fact I found that just, I mean I prayed with a lady last week um, and and she started to fill up with tears because she just felt the presence of the Lord as we were praying and she was like what yeah. is that what is yeah. that because and she and you know wanted to know about the Holy Spirit because as we began to pray it wasn't you know she forgot the problem actually you know it's like the woman who came to the well. And uh, she, you know, she ran home without the water jar, <laughs> the thing that she'd come for, the problem she'd come to fix. She ran and left it there because that wasn't the problem anymore, because now she's met with Jesus. And, you know, again, as we're, intro- we're making opportunities for in prayer for the Lord to move. Tell us about how that works on a national level, just as we're starting to come into land a little bit. And yes. uh, I know you're involved in, still in many things I get. Um, whatsapp messages from you connections with into into uh to come and pray for the nation and i always i i always feel a bit guilty i can't be on them all or whatever, but i I'm, I'm always encouraged and i know that you know revival is your heart uh yes. that the lord well birthed you in revival as you've said and you know it's one of those things that once you've tasted that you don't ever want to settle for for yeah. normal you know yeah. uh, so so what does it look like for on a national level um so my trajectory was that God began to speak to me about, you know, taking the visions that from prayer had been showing me what he wanted me to do and some of the things that he was going to do in the nation. So I'm one of those people that have seen prophetically what God is going to do, but I don't know when. And so he told me to share this with the leaders of began this stadium events. You know, that's a whole story in itself. And we, we then went around the nation for four, five years from 2013 to um, about 2018, 2019, and then the pandemic hit, and then we did a few things online. Now, the, the core of what we're saying is that um, the prayer movement and the prophetic people in the nation need to stand up and be the Gideons that go ahead and begin to stir up. So any pastor or leader that is prayerful, or anyone that considers themselves prophetic or an intercessor, um, let them rise up and begin to speak and pray and speaking to being what God has said. And we using I use um Acts chapter six verse seven a lot, and which says that then um and the word of God spread. That's what Acts six seven says. The word of God increased, and the word of God spread, and the number of disciples in Jerusalem increased exponentially. I like to say the numbers of people, um, disciples in Liverpool, the numbers of disciples in Manchester, the number of disciples in London, you, you don't just own it. You know, and a great number of the Anglican priests, the Catholic priests, the Pentecostal leaders became obedient to the faith. You know, so that mm-hmm. has many levels. It's the gospel, it's transformation of people and, and people coming to faith, and the leaders, the triggers become aligned to God's will or what God wants them to do. And so the way we've been doing this is that now we, we're starting with the National Day of Prayer, and the Lord has led us to start praying and fasting every day from this. Um, September, um, September of this year, 
we're not fasting and praying every single day. And the way we've done is that we just ask people to take a number one to 31. And whatever number they fall on, that's their day to fast and pray. So churches can do this. Individuals can do this. Families can do this. Just get people to choose to pray. And we give them the, the prayer points. And the, the key thing is unity. We're praying and we're fasting for the nation. Fasting does not change God. It makes us more receptible to what he's saying. You know, fasting sacrificially for the nation and speaking um, into being what we believe the Lord wants done. So there's that dimension, um, Anthony, where I feel that um, people direct a lot of their prayers to God. And that's good. But then God gives us the authority to be kings where we command and we decree and we speak those things out. We prophesy them according to Ezekiel 37, where there was a problem and God gave the man of the prophet the words to speak. He no longer had to pray to God. He now began to speak to the problem. And so there's sometimes we have to speak to our cities, speak to our, our uh, the problem, speak to the situation. And that's, that's the principle of healing as well. You don't, you don't say, God, heal this person. You speak to the body and say, in the name of Jesus, I command this body to be healed. In, by, the, by stripes, you are healed. You know, um, I cast this demon of infirmity out. That is how you heal people. That is how we're going to heal cities. That's how we're going to heal our churches. We receive the word from God and we speak it. Mm, mm, and that is the authority that Jesus, they said that they were surprised at Jesus' doctrine because he came with authority and he has given us, too many of us are priests. But he said we're kings and priests. We're a royal priesthood. So we're first kings, even before we're priests. Kings don't go into the Holy of Holies. It's the priests that go and do that. But kings issue decrees. Mm. And so it's biblical. I'm not trying to preach it some new doctrine. I'm just saying, basically, in a simple word, I'm just, let's walk in the authority of the, of the, of the, of the believer. Let's mm. walk in the authority that Jesus gave us. And if we begin to walk in that authority, everybody begin to walk in that authority, Hospitals to be transformed, classrooms to be transformed, boardrooms to be transformed, yes, you know, yes. homes, neighborhoods will be transformed because Christians are walking in the authority, in the, the, the reality of who we are in Christ. Yeah, I always realize, I think, because at the age of 16, I uh, joined the police cadet straight out of school. And um, it's a little bit like the Peter and John thing as we think about it. I, they gave you a uniform and I didn't, it was like, it looked like a police uniform a little bit. <laughs> and I went back to the council estate I was brought up on and uh, I had a jacket on over the, over the uniform, but it had on the shiny buttons, it had the crown on the buttons. So it, <laughs> it looked like a policeman's uniform, but I didn't put the hat on because I didn't actually have the hat. I just had the buttons. And I was like, I've got to try this out. I've got to try out this authority. And then there was this lad who I didn't really like, who, who I knew was causing a lot of trouble on the uh, on the estate. And he came past on like a motorbike, riding it across the fields with no helmet on or whatever. So I stood and I put my hand up to stop him. And he stopped. And he's looking at me like, you're that kid. You're like 16. You're, you're two years younger than me, but you look like a policeman because you're wearing that uniform. <laughs> and I said, what? And, I, and he, so he came over and he went, hello. And I said, where's that bike from and started quizzing him about it and he and i said you shouldn't be riding without a helmet on <laughs> and uh you know push it and i just tested i was just testing the authority 
and and it worked. I was like, yes, <laughs> you know, because you know, because it, it wasn't me; it was the crown, it was yes. the authority that had been given to right. me. And I found, you know, when I was in the police, you know, you, we learn the authority by practicing. By yes. you know, and it's like I've sometimes said. As a as a policeman, when I put the uniform on with the helmet on and everything, I could stop a seven and a half ton truck just yeah. by raising a hand. Yes, and it would have to stop because yeah. of the authority that there was. So again, this this you know, I'm trying to give for somebody listening here this you know, what does it look like then? If Jonathan's talking about me walking in my authority, it's not the authority in you. It's not like oh well, I've been a good person today and I didn't you know say didn't say a bad word for the last seven days or whatever it is. It's the authority that's been given that is imparted and imputed to us as citizens of the kingdom of God. Yes. And as you say, and as kings and priests, that these are the things when we realize I'm I'm robed from a yes. spiritual perspective. And, uh, you know, and that isn't I mean, that doesn't mean you can just go around bullying people and, you know, or anything like that. Again, these things, <laughs> but we, as you were saying before, we spit out the bones you know, yes. we, of, of the things that, that, that aren't right. And we we how can we serve? As 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 kings, as Jesus did for us, I am learning so much there. That's great. So, how can people connect in with some of the things that you're doing? Obviously, I'd love them to come to launch and meet with you in person. Um, you know, for those couple of days that we're going to be together again, north or south. But um, uh, how can people connect in with the things that you're doing so that we can learn to pray with you and and yes. uh, find out more about that, please? I, it, well, one of the one of the key ways they can just go to um um. Um, ndopw.com and just and just join that's the fastest way they can do that um and i think when they join we're able to connect with them we, we pray every thursday evening at 7 p.m and so people can come to that and they can connect and and they will just find out everything we're doing so that's our call our hub we get about 200 to 300 there every week either on zoom on facebook on youtube or more and so between three, 300 to 500 every week, we, we mobilize or connect with. Wow. On Zoom, we're about 200 every week. So what time? Comes out to... 7 p.m. 7 p.m. In, in the evening, mm. um, we, 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 we connect online and we pray. And right now we're mobilizing churches, regions, everywhere to just pray and fast. And we give you the, 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 the prayer points. And that's yeah. the one thing. We're also going to be doing something at Christmas. We're going to mobilize the whole church. Um, to do something called shine your light, and that's um, we're going to we're talking with the Anglicans, the Baptists, the Methodists, the AOG, Elim, Pentecostals, everybody, and we're also going to be speaking to regional people. So you're going to hear about this from October. We're mobilizing people to just preach the gospel in mm. shopping malls, in high streets. We want to claim back Christmas, and 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 just basically, you know, sing nativity, just shine your light in whatever way. Getting the church to wet its feet. You know, we're nowhere near, you know, walking in all these um, wonderful things we're talking about. But just getting Christians out there sharing the gospel in itself and giving the church boldness after the pandemic, you know, to claim back the the, the festivals in this nation for the church mm. to rise up. And that's that's part of, what, part of what we are going to see. And then we're going to go back to Wembley at some stage. We don't know when, um, but we are going to go back and do some major stadium events as again. Um, mm. And so, yeah, so this just a matter of watch this space as it is. Amazing. Have you heard, connected at all with the Send? Have you heard yes. Of that? Yeah, yes. Because I know that they're looking to do some similar yes. kind of things. Uh, we we recently had John McGinley on on here, 
I interviewed John about things that happened with the send, and and I know it's something that it's invited me to be part of up, up here in Manchester, which is really exciting. So, so yeah, and I love the idea again. These festivals, we we um, I think sometimes non-denominational churches can can miss a trick. There, I was you know my background really is Anglican, and I remember when I came to Ivy, I said, "What do we do at Christmas?" And everybody said, "Oh, we just have Christmas off, really." We you know, and and they thought it was like a really positive non-religious thing, and I was like, "No, because this is the yeah. time people are going to come." Yeah, you know, we've got to do we've got to do more at Christmas. You know, we get yeah. more people coming to our Christmas things than anything else that we do, and it's like. We've got to ramp up, max out those opportunities, and I love that idea. We previously we have we have booked the Trafford Centre and done things in the Trafford Centre, and we dressed up in nativity outfits and walked around there and everything. And you're giving me some good ideas to maybe do that again later this year because yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, it's going to be the 16th and 17th weekend, so we're telling people whatever you do, let's do it together around the 16th and 17th nice. um, before people go away or you know before of the the um, commercialization of um, of the 24th and 25th when everybody's buying stuff so let's do it do yeah, that fantastic. yeah so that's what we're going to promote and we hope to see m- m- multitudes mobilized and so the, the, the our heart is to sh- cause the church to be light a city on a hill that cannot be hid mm. we'll just imagine every christian and every church a light that is switched on mm. you know we will light up this this nation like a christmas tree Mm, oh good yeah yeah Yeah. it's kind of a christmas tree shape in a way (laughs) (laughs) so um yeah i uh, i'm gonna gonna ask you to pray for us if you could in a moment jonathan and i I really feel just to somebody again somebody who's listening maybe more than one person who's you know maybe they're struggling where where they're at and what the lord's saying to them in this next season and i I just want to kind of i'm reminded of something that he spoke to you right at the beginning out of what you said there that you know to that person to you to hear too you're not here by accident Mm. and then the thing that in order to to get with the plan drop your agenda and pick up my program and uh you know so uh you know we've got to lay down our thing and uh like moses laid down the staff but then he picked it up and it was it was god's um yeah. miracle working instrument so yeah could you pray for us my friend please okay thank you thank you lord i just thank you for anthony and i thank you for this podcast and i thank you for those who are listening right now that they will have a fresh encounter with you that is non-religious that bypasses all the negatives or the um, questions in my, their minds or even answers them and that they will have a fresh injection of ideas, of creativity of revelation, inspiration authority and understanding of who they are I pray for leaders who might listen to this and I mean leaders official and unofficial that they will be triggers for their families for their neighbourhoods, their churches their network loved ones and anyone that they are connected with in their own world, that they will be triggers for the gospel, for the kingdom to come into people's hearts and lives. Lord, we pray, I pray for the church that we would unite more and work together more. And I pray that the the joy and the, the energy and the verve and the vibe of heaven, or vibes of heaven will come through 
in our in our dialogue, in our neighborhoods, in our community, our connection. I pray for churches or individuals that are struggling right now with dwindling numbers and you know non-attendance and um uncooperative um uh, members or whatever conflicts. And let's pray that you, they would ask you, Jesus, simply would ask for wisdom and insight how to deal with the current issue, what they are facing, and that you will give them um, and direction and revelation and guidance as how to overcome these problems. Father, I thank you. And I thank you for the launch. I thank you for this network of churches. And I pray multiplication and fruitfulness not just for the launch, but for every church, every leader, every Christian that listens to this podcast in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. Um, I hope this has been an encouragement to you. I, mean, I know it has been to me. It's been always great to connect with you, Jonathan. If anybody's listening, um, you can share this uh, from different platforms and social media. That's always an encouragement. Anybody wants to write us a review or, uh, you know, connect with us about, you know, maybe even send some questions through for future guests. Uh, love to hear from you on any of that. But again, thank you so much, Jonathan Olieddy, and look forward to seeing you really soon. God bless you.